the really important thing is that it's by however a, a church does it, and churches do it in different ways, what we are actually doing is saying, I'm committing myself to you. I'm committing myself to the Lord, and I'm committing myself to you. And that brings together two really important elements in the Christian life, our, our faith and trust in Christ and our life for Him, but also that we commit ourselves to all those in the fellowship to whom He has committed Himself. And so becoming a formal member of the church is very, very important. We're going to continue our series on, on church membership. Uh, what does it look like? Um, we have been walking through this for a few weeks. We have looked at the importance of it. We've looked at the role of it. We've looked at the expectation of it. Uh, this morning, we look at the process of it. Uh, or why do we join a church? Um, and we want to look at that from a biblical standpoint, not just because that's what we should do. But what does the Bible say about that? And so this morning, I want to start with this. <clears throat> We all kind of, in our, throughout our lives, there's moments of tension that we live in, right? And what I mean by that is that um, something has happened, um, and it, it's revealing something that will happen in the future, but there's a tension between the two, right? I'll give you an example. When you find out you're going to have a baby, there's a tension between when, you're going, when, you, when you found out you had the baby and when you will have the baby, right? Not so much for the dad, but for the mom, right? There's a tension there, but we all kind of feel that tension, don't we? Right? There's a tension there when, when, whenever you graduate high school and then you go to college. There's a tension there. Like, or, or you go into the workforce or you go something. There's a tension that builds there. Like something's happened, but something else is going to happen. And we live in that tension of it, don't we? right? Christmas happens that way for a lot of us, right? We know something's going to happen, but there's a tension building up to it, right? There's a waiting that happens. We in the church call that Advent, right? It's the waiting, right? There's a tension that's there. Well, we live in that tension today because Christ came. He lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth, he then went to a cross that you and I deserve. To be honest, our sins deserve that punishment, but he took it for us. And then they put him in a tomb, and three days later he came out of that tomb victorious over death. That's what he came to do. That is Jesus, right? He came the first time to pay the price for you and for me. And he tells us, as he told the disciples, he's coming again. Amen? Come on, church, he's coming again. Can't wait for that day. But, but something has already happened that changes everything for us, and something is coming that changes everything for us. And we live in that tension. So what do we do in that tension? What has God set up for us in the midst of that tension? Well, he set up the church for me and for you. 
so that we could then together live in this tension, right? And so this morning we're going to try and we're going to answer that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and into chapter 7. And, and our aim is this, as we talk about the process of church membership and how do we live in that tension, is this our aim. The process of church membership starts with being defined by Christ, separated for Christ, and shaped in Christ. Okay? Read that again. The process of church membership starts with being defined by Christ, separated for Christ, and shaped in Christ. Okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Okay, so let's just stop right there. Our first point this morning is this. Let Christ be what defines you. Let Christ be what defines you. Paul says this statement in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And then he goes on and he, he lists these rhetorical questions, right? And a rhetorical question is kind of like a, duh, like, you're not, come on, like get, get, on the, get, get on the same page here. This is what Paul's doing here because in his rhetorical questions, he's going to give opposites, exact opposites. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Complete opposite, right? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Again, what complete opposite? What accord has Christ with Belial? Like, well, who's Belial? Okay, well, Belial is a, 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 a synonymously known with Satan. Okay, another name for Satan, Belial, Belier. Okay, and, and so exact opposite. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Ooh, I'm gonna step on our toes this morning, so hang on. Okay, but but listen, here, here's the deal. He gives, hey, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And then a list of rhetorical questions of, that are exact opposites of one another. Okay? So, so let's, let's, let's paint some context so that we understand this passage clearly. Oftentimes, and you probably, if you've grown up in the church or if you've done it, okay, listen, we quote this passage when it comes to marriage. Don't be unequally yoked with a believer, okay? Let's unpack what's going on in the context so we understand what Paul's really saying here, okay? So the context of 2 Corinthians is Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth is not a lovely place, okay? <laughs> they got a lot of issues, all right? They're no different than any other church today. There's just issues. We're all sinful people doing this together. So guess what? We're going to have some problems. But Corinth was had some things going on. Okay? Here's what's going on in Corinth. We've got, we've got people who have come to know Jesus, put their faith and trust in Jesus, but their lifestyle 
previously had been serving as temple prostitutes or they had been serving in the temple to idols and they've come to know Jesus and they've come into the church but guess what they've brought into the church all of their lifestyle <laughs> and so, so Paul's going okay time out wait a minute we, we got to address some of these things we got people suing people we got to do this. We, all within the body of believers and so there's a lot going on but here specifically what Paul is addressing is this is that there's a group of people a growing group of people who are opposing Paul and mainly Paul's message okay so, so we've got a growing group of people opposing Paul and his message. And so Paul is here combating, and he's saying this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, here's what he means. This word yoked means to be identified with, to be partnered with. Okay, if, if, you, if you don't know what a yoke is, a yoke is this just big wooden contraption, right? Um, that they would put on oxen and they would put this yoke on an oxen to t to connect one oxen to the other so that wherever one oxen goes they both go right and, and so then that yoke is then defines it's an external force that defines where these oxen go that's what a yoke did that's what it does okay so when Paul says, don't be unequally yoked, he's saying, don't find yourself so closely attached, so closely identified with the things of the world and that which opposes the gospel, that that's what defines you. And it's the external influence that makes you live your life. Okay? And, and, and here's how that plays out, is that oftentimes... We are defined by our titles, right? Are you defined more by what you do for a living than you are being a Christian and being a follower of Christ? Are you more defined of being a mom or an aunt or an uncle? I love being an uncle. Look, I love it. My, my nephew... Um, he couldn't stand me like for the longest time like he's fixing to turn three for whatever reason like the first really two years of his life like I walk in a room and he start crying and I'm like what did I do to you child now now though like we're we're rolling he walks in the room B B B B that's what he calls me I'm Uncle B like he like he wants B nobody else he wants B and that makes me happy right but what defines you more than you being a Christ follower Uncle B doesn't define me and shouldn't define me more than him knowing one day and understanding one day that Uncle B is a follower of Christ first and foremost what defines you right you see the yoke of the Old Testament was the law and it was put on them and it was tough and it was hard and, and guess what? It was impossible. But Christ came to fulfill the law and in fact says this, that, that the joy set before him, 
He endured the cross. And so because Christ came to do that, guess what? At the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And now the yoke is not on us, it is in us. And no longer should we as believers be defined by the world, but we should be defined by Christ. We should be yoked with Christ so closely that what we do is what he tells us to do. That what we do is what shapes us and moves and defines our lives. Not what the world says. Right? We struggle with this, don't we? Most often, right, the idolatry we face in our culture today is this, right? Because he talks about idols and, and what, what agreement has the temple of God with idols and so what keeps us from being yoked to Christ? It's this, is that the, the idols we face in our culture are this. It's smothering covetousness. It's smothering covetousness. And it, it, it happens like this. It's the happiness that's derived from more possessions and security from increasing financial stability. That's the that's the idol that, that controls so much of our Western culture, so much of America, right? Living the American dream is that I got to have more, I got to have more. And oftentimes we are more yoked to that than we are of Christ. That this defines and tells us how to live our lives more than Christ defines and tells us how to live our lives. Let Christ be what defines you, church? The why of, of church membership is that Christ should be the one that defines you. As you bring yourself into this body of believers, Christ defines you. Well, the second thing is this. Let Christ be what separates you. Look what God says. Look what Paul says here. <clears throat> For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Again, this comes from Leviticus chapter 26. In verse 12, and when we talk about let Christ be what separates us, is, is we have to understand in Leviticus when God's giving them the law, okay? God's people are about to walk into the promised land. And God's law is set up not only for boundary's sake, to keep them following him, but God knew what was coming. He knew the temptation was coming. And so what God does is he sets up a list of laws and parameters to keep them from falling into the temptation when they enter the land. And so what God does, he just said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some things and I'm going to set up some things so that you look completely different than the rest of the world. Than all the other nations that you're about to experience, Right? 
They're going to experience the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Agagites and the Amalekites and all of these ites they're about to experience, aren't they? They're going to walk into these lands. And, and all these nations had, had laws and all these nations had things that they did. And God said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to set up all of these laws. I'm going to set up all of these ritual pure, purity things that you're going to do and i'm going to set all these things up so that you look completely different from every other nation that you walk into so god's doing with the law so then he can say clearly i will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and i will be their god and they shall be my people because they are set apart from every other nation All these other nations routinely sacrificed kids, routinely mistreated women. God sets up the law and says, that's not what you're going to be, Israel. Flip on the TV this week. There's a, not a nation, but a group of people that are doing the same thing the Canaanites did, the same thing the Amalekites did to God's people. God, people. God said, that's not going to be you, Israel. And he set them apart. Church, as believers in Christ, you and I are called to live a life that's set apart from the rest of the world because we belong to him not to ourselves. Let Christ be what separates you. My life lived differently out there needs to be attractive to those that don't know him. But I live my life in such a way that others out there go, man, I want what you have. What is it? And then we get the opportunity to say, it's Jesus. It's him. He defines my life. He separates my life from the rest of the world. And all of my life is in his hands. Let Christ be what separates you. And then this, let Christ be what shapes you. In verse chapter 7 of verse 1, he says this, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body, and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Is that we, we give our lives in such a way right, that, that, that we, look, we're not going to be perfect, okay? Just newsflash, you're not going to be perfect. But you have an opportunity every single day to pursue Christ, to look different, to, to not commit the same sins you committed yesterday because you've given your life to Christ, because you've put it in his hands. Say, God, I need you to shape me and mold me. I need you and I need your strength today for where I failed yesterday. That's your prayer every morning. And Paul's saying, hey, let us live in this way, church. Let us live in this way that, that we are in such um, connection and yoke to Christ that we know where we messed up yesterday and we don't want to do it the same today. And we don't want to do it the same tomorrow. 
But we want Him to change who we are and shape who we are. And so we have to let Christ, the process of church membership is just this, right? It starts with being defined by Christ, separated for Christ, and shaped in Christ. And so how does that play out for us? We got to have some practical application here, right? How, How does this play out for you and for me? And, and, and why join a church to do all of those things? I can, I can pray. I can do this, right? Okay, you can. You're right. But you were never made to do it alone. And I would, be, I, I would be so bold to say that you as a believer will never thrive in your relationship with Jesus on your own. You were meant to do this with a fellow body of believers. The church the church. So I'm going to give you some, give you four things. Four things in which you can practically do and that Oak Grove Baptist Church provides the opportunity for you to do. You've heard these multiple times over the last three weeks, but, but again, we are forgetful people, aren't we? I talked to y'all somebody this morning, some of y'all this morning, and you forgot you shook my hand. So come on. All right, let's go. Here we go. Number one. Study the Bible with other believers. Study the Bible with other believers. There's so much encouragement about taking God's word and unpacking it with one another. Because here's the deal. I don't know everything, and you don't know everything, and we can learn from one another, right? And we open up God's word together. Now we have the beauty of, of this in common. And man, our conversation can be so much deeper and richer now when we study the Bible with other believers. We offer that over and over again throughout the week at Oak Grove Baptist Church. Clint listed them last week. Sunday nights, we got women's Bible study. Monday mornings, we have women's Bible study. I was at my kid's flag football game yesterday, sitting next to a grandma, and she's talking about, she's, they came to our fall festival, and she was asking me some questions about our church and all of this, blah, 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 and we were going through this motions, and she said, you know, I just really miss studying the Bible with people. I said, guess what? On Sunday nights and Monday mornings, our ladies do a Bible study together, and you don't I'm telling you, you can come anytime you want. She goes, really? Absolutely. We offer that. There is something good and rich for us as believers when we study God's word together with one another. Wednesday nights, deeper discipleship. We're meeting in here right now because of the rock renovation. But listen, we study, we're walking through God's word, walking through the Old Testament together. Do that. You have that opportunity. Sunday mornings at 9.30, we have small groups. We have some phenomenal teachers that are walking through God's word with you. It's an opportunity for you to grow, for you to learn. Study the Bible with other believers. Second thing is this, is it pray with other believers. Pray with other believers. On a regular basis, pray with other believers. There is something... (laughs) Look, it's not something. It's transforming when you pray with other believers. 
One of the most encouraging times for me in the week is on Wednesday nights, we meet in here at 5.30. Me and Blake Carpenter and Mr. Charlie Freeman have been meeting together on 5.30, and all of you are welcome, aren't they, Blake? And we get together and we pray. And it is such an encouragement to each other to just get to go before the Lord together. I read this this week. I'm just going to throw it out there for you. Paul's operating assumption is that it is simply impossible to be in God's presence and not manifest a transformed life. I'm going to read it again because y'all didn't hear it. Paul's operating assumption is that it is simply impossible to be in God's presence and not manifest a transformed life. You can't meet with the Holy One and not walk away changed. Pray with other believers. It will change and transform your life as you're with other believers before the King of Kings. It'll change who you are. The third thing is this, worship with other believers. Worship with other believers. And we have said it over and over. It is so sweet to come in this place and to sing and to declare God's goodness, to hear God's word, to pray together, to, to, to have an offering together, which all are acts of worship. To do that together is encouraging to your heart. It is. We are called to lift up the name of Jesus together as a body of believers. And then the fourth thing is this. Live life with other believers. Live life with other believers. When someone has a need, meet the need. And one of the coolest things that, that, that we do is when somebody needs something, Oak Grove meets that need. It's so fun to watch how many meals go out to people in times of need it's so fun to watch um, you love on each other but live life together like, like call somebody and be like hey y'all want to have dinner with our family tonight we're, we're cooking hamburgers come on over why can't we do that that's what it looks like to live life together right we are to be different we're to look different than the world aren't we so live life together be with one another. Check on one another. And don't get so caught up in your life and in your schedule that you don't ever pick up your phone or your tech or your and call or text someone and say, hey, just thinking about you. I got in a habit lately. If somebody comes to my mind, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, I pick up the phone and call them. I, call, I, I talked to a guy this last week who I have not spoken to or seen in 20 years we played college football together i was driving down the road and i was like huh that's odd popped in my head i didn't even know where he was i found him at faith baptist church in artesia new mexico serving as a youth minister and i called him and we had a phenomenal conversation that was from the lord it's encouraging right do life with one another the ancient didache says this it's an old document written in early church history it says this 
Two ways there are. One of life and one of death. And there is a great difference between the two ways. Hauerwas goes on in the commentary and says this, The ethical stance of these early Christians was a concrete application of their theological assertions. The church was called, listen, to be a colony, an alternative community, a sign, a signal to the world that Christ has made possible a way of life together unlike anything the world had seen. You and I have been given the opportunity to live out as church members, as family together, a way that's impossible for the rest of the world. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's do these things. Let's grow in who he's called us to be. Let's define ourselves by Christ. Let's be shaped by him. Let's do these things together. The process of church membership starts here. But here's the deal. It doesn't end there. The process of church membership is you aligning yourself with Christ, coming to this body of believers or any body of believers and saying, I'm going to step in and I am going to live my life with them. I may not always agree with them, and that's okay. But I'm going to love them. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to make needs with them. I'm going to serve with them. I'm going to worship with them. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to study God's word with them. That's what it means for you and I to be church members. We do those things together. So then the question becomes, well, how do I, how do I join the church? How do I, how do I do that? Well, we're Baptists, and so there's three ways in which we have that. Okay? You can come and you can say, hey, simply by statement, saying, hey, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life, and I have followed him in believer's baptism, and I'm just coming this morning to say I want to be a part of this body of believers. You can come this morning saying, hey, I have never um, entered a relationship with Jesus but I would like to do that this morning. I would love to put my faith and trust in Jesus. In this moment, I realize that I am a sinner and that I need him, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I want to make him the Lord of my life, and I want to follow him in believer's baptism. Or you can come this morning and, and you can say, hey, I'm, I have been a member of a like-minded sister church, and I can, I'm coming this morning to say, hey, I... I want this to be my family. And we would invite you in that. What it looks like for you and for me to be a church member starts first 
with our own relationship with Christ. But then it flows into living life with one another. Let's be the church. If you're here this morning and say, hey, I I've, I've, don't have a church. I don't know if I'm ready yet. That's okay. But we would love to have a conversation with you and we'll answer any questions you may have. But as far as this church, this family, we're going to work hard to be the church together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, thank you that um, we can come before you, Father, and we can declare to all of us your word. Father, my prayer this morning is that we would all be defined by Christ, that we would be separated for Christ and that we would be shaped in Christ and that he be the center of all that we are, that he be the joy that all of us have and desperately the world needs. Father, we are thankful for you this morning. Just you, Father. Not the things that you give us, but we want to declare this morning that we are thankful for you. And there's joy found in you. God, we love you. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.